So before we get started, started, I actually have a funny little thing to tell you. Okay. The other day I was listening to the Always Sunny podcast and they were saying like Glenn and Charlie were saying how I think it was either like Glenn and Charlie or Glenn and what's shit, I forget his other Rob. Rob. Rob Rob McElhenney. Yeah. They were like saying how every time they think of something funny now to tell each other, they're like, oh, I'm not going to tell them. I'm not going to tell them because I got to save it for the pod so that we have <laughs> something to talk about. And I was like, oh my God, I got to text Shirley because this is so funny. And I'm like, because it's us now. And I'm like, no, wait, I can't tell her. I got to save it for the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice that when I walked in today, I purposely just asked you about Christmas. I was like, Shirley, don't start talking about <laughs> podcast stuff uh, because I was afraid of ruining any good stories. Yeah. Oh my God. I need to start listening to their podcast because I fucking love them so much. Yeah, it's good. I feel like it's, the, I mean, always sunny is for everyone and yeah. for everyone, but I almost feel how obviously our cast or our audience is, you know, for a certain demographic, I yeah. feel like they're probably like a little more opposite leaning of what our demographic is. Like, oh, I feel like yeah. this might be tooting our, our own horn a bit, but I feel like we're the female version <laughs> of that podcast yes. or anyone who might identify more female leaning and not, you know, man <laughs> yes oh my god my favorite thing was learning that danny devito was a hairdresser oh my god yes i saw that the other day on instagram and was like i need to tell shirley that oh my god it made my life oh my god i can't even imagine him sweeping the hair so tiny he yeah. would need a stool to cut the hairs <laughs> i feel like i have a friend that's like his height that stopped doing hair and I think partly it was her height it was a challenge <laughs> anyways um boobs and tubes that's what we're doing today we're excited about this episode uh if, if you've been listening I mean we're and if you're just joining us we're a newer podcast and so we've been dipping our toes and getting a little bit more I don't know more better yeah better grammar yeah but um as I'm excited to talk about something other than the holidays. Yeah, we do. like we've been using like the holidays because it's a it's a fluff thing. Yeah, to just like practice, get out the kinks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. But we both had parts of our bodies removed. I don't even yeah. know when when did you have your breast reduction? Literally a year ago. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay, I so think not it was long. Twelve twenty eight twenty one. I think was the day. So yeah, literally one year. So I guess when I met you, it had only been. It had been a week. Yeah. A week? A week. Since yeah. you had had your surgery? Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Dang. Wait. So yeah. I've known you that long now, huh? Oh, oh my God. Wait. Oh my God. <laughs> is, is this our almost our year anniversary <laughs> of knowing each other too? Stop. Oh, wow. That's so funny. <laughs> okay. So do you want to start? Let's talk about your boobs first. Yeah. Because I really don't know much about your breast reduction surgery. So how yeah. did you? Because yeah, you, yeah, you're my friend. Now that I'm thinking about it, you're like the only friend that I have that hasn't, that didn't know me pre-boob reduction. Right. Yeah. I don't know you with giant yeah. boobs. So yeah, I had giant boobs, like very large boobs. Always had. Um, I think I was probably like a C cup by the end of eighth grade, if not going into freshman year. Oh, wow. And then by the time I was in college was like a, a full D, but also tiny. Like I was like 110 pounds at my lowest weight 
with a full decop. So people thought I had implants. Whoa. When I was like younger in my early twenties. Yeah. Twenties. Um, and then they just kept, you know, as you get older, you naturally, you know, gain a little weight. Yeah. And obviously my body is more predisposed to gain weight in that area. Yeah. And I think I was, I don't know if it was like an F or a G. I could look it up real quickly. F or a G. Oh, yeah. But it was like a quadruple D or like a 5D or something was my cup size. Oh, my God. And yeah, I just, I got to a point where I was like, this isn't, even if you lost weight, like the weight loss is not going to fix this. Yeah. Um, they were, they were large, they were saggy, they were, they weren't cute. Yeah. They were very matronly looking. Yeah. Were you self-conscious about that when you were younger or ever? So when I was younger, because like I had boobs in middle school, like I had actual boobs when I was like 12 or 13. Yeah. So like boys that that age make fun of you for having boobs. Actual men can't really tell how old you are. Yeah. Which is gross. Which is gross. Um, but then like I grew in to, you know, enjoying my body. So my late teens, most of my twenties was very comfortable with it. Yeah. And my size overall, once I hit that large, large cup size, I was like, I just, it didn't match how I felt. Like I said, it was a very matronly look Mm -hmm. and I was like, I can't, I can't. Yeah. Like, and were there physical limits to it? Like, did you have back pain, exercise pain. I don't know. These are some of the things people Probably, say. Probably, but I i mean, I have horrible posture. Mm. So I think that was, for me, that was probably that I just didn't even notice anymore. Like, cause I just slouch. Yeah. And, and slouched all the time. And, but that's something since I've gotten the reduction that I've been able to be more mindful of is that like you're slouching and to stand up straight is more comfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and then, I, I mean, I'm not single, but in the back of my mind, I, w- I would think, like, if I were single and, like, in the dating scene at this age of my life with these large breasts, I would be so self-conscious about it. Like, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I the time had I needed to get it done. Yeah, had you been thinking about it for a while, like, for a long while? Or, on, ev- like... Yeah, on and off. Yeah. Um... On and off. And then, like, a, last year, I, I, it really just came to the point where I was like, I want I want to get this done. I'm mentally there. Yeah. And financially there. Yeah. To where if insurance doesn't cover it, I could probably make up the difference. Yeah. So, I did. I, when was it? Probably, like, spring of 2021. I made a consultation with a plastic surgeon at the hospital I was working with at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is like the biggest issue I feel like people face when they want to get a breast reduction is yeah. insurance. Yeah. And every insurance is different. They can set their own rules. So for me personally, the initial surgeon that I saw explain that the insurance that I had at the time, the rule was he had to remove 700 grams or something like that mm-hmm. from, and I might be wrong on like the exact unit of measure, but it was like 700 grams. Okay. Um, and he said, looking at you, I can't guarantee 
that that's how much I'm going to be able to remove and keep you at a size you want to be at. Oh, like he might have had to take too much. Too much. Got it. To where I would be going from like a 5D to like a B cup. Yeah. Um. He said, I, you at least 600. He was like, but probably like 600 to 650. And I won't know that until I go to do the surgery. Yeah. And if I can't remove that full 700, you will be left on the line with the full bill, which at that hospital and through his practice yeah. was 10 grand. Oh my God. Yeah. Yikes. So, like, I didn't have, like, I had some money to cover it. Like, yeah. my budget was, like, five grand mentally in my head was where I felt comfortable. So, yeah. ten grand was absolutely not. No. I was so depressed. Yeah. Like, I had to go to, like, I had the consult right before I started work for the day. Uh-huh. And, like, I almost called out of work. I was so 100%. upset. Yeah, no kidding. Because I was, like, so excited. I was, like, I'm finally going to get this done. I'm going to try and get it done before summer so I can, like like go through summer with yeah. like and actually look great like and not look like a fucking like cartoon character or like yeah. washed out like someone who's trying to look like a porn star on the beach like yeah. I, it was just like a look I didn't like yeah yeah so it didn't happen at that time Ugh. so I kind of you know let it go went a few more months kind of recovered and was like you know what let me do some more Googling research into this. So everywhere I saw said that the surgery should cost at a minimum or like on average five to seven thousand. Okay. So I'm like, I live in Philadelphia. Like there are other surgeons in this area, general area, that are probably doing this surgery for a more reasonable price. Yeah. So I decided to call other surgeons. I had known of one. They're very popular in Philly. Gabay and Gottlieb. Okay. They have billboards up Gottlieb and down 95. They advertise on the radio. Yeah. And a lot of the girls I went to college with that had breast implants got their implants done at these at this surgery got center. It. Yeah. Um, and all loved their work. So I was like somewhat familiar with them to begin with. Yeah. So I called to make the consultation and I said to the girl, I want to get a breast reduction and a lift. And she was able to tell me on the phone, regardless of your situation, out of pocket cost 6,500. Wow. They just had set prices. That's unheard of. For each procedure. Wow. They did. And so I was like, that's 100% in what I like feel comfortable doing. Yeah. So I did. I had my consultation with them. Um, felt, and I even felt more comfortable with, um, Dr. Gottlieb than this original doctor I had seen. Mm -hmm. So like, I felt good. Yeah. Like it was meant to be that way. Yeah. Um, that cost included everything. It included all of your pre-surgery appointments, your okay. pre-surgery blood work that they drew at the office this cost of the actual surgery and use of the surgery center wow. and your, all of your follow-up appointments. That's great. Is yeah. that what you ended up paying? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Very transparent as opposed. And I remember when I made the initial consult, yeah, 
and the guy was you know it'll be 10 grand his front desk staff was like i don't know how to word this but i feel like they had like this impression of me that i had more money maybe, mm. like because i had scrubs on when i went to the appointment and the woman's like oh like it's just so much better to go through not insurance, like to not go through the insurance anyway, because then you can decide what size you want to be and have that control. And I'm like, yeah, that is great, but yeah. not at the cost of $10,000. Yeah, yeah. Also, like no one should ever assume how much money, money someone has, yeah. especially if you're in a place like that, because it's like you literally don't know. You have right. no idea. Yeah. Um, That insurance is um such a hurdle in first of all everything yeah and one of the questions well in a roundabout way one of the questions we got came up to insurance so we got a question regarding not breast size but just body size in general yeah if you can be um a higher and I'm gonna say BMI just because it's the only thing that we have even though I can just go ahead and say this we all know that or Ashley and I both know that BMI is made up by an astrologer or was made up by an astronomer yeah. it's not astrologer. it's used to measure your health in some it's not a great indicator of your health no it's not because yeah. it was literally just made up by like a mathematician and a person that had nothing right. to do with medical anything they just needed a way to like categorize people and it has been proven that it's irrelevant anyways this is not about that but we had to say that because the one question we got was about body size and if body size right is a thing and insurance i don't know some of the answers we had found were you know and again very based on in insurance and what the plan is you know yeah. every insurance you might need to have a certain amount removed or you might need to be over a certain bmi to be considered large enough to need medically need a breast reduction to where insurance will pay for it or if you're over a certain bmi your insurance may not pay for you to get in elective surgery. Right. I'm going to read the one thing, though, that I found from the National Institute of Health, um, which is a government organization. This is a pre-reviewed article. Yeah, the conclusion, yeah, the conclusion it says here is it is as safe to perform large volume breast reductions in the, quotes morbidly obese patient with comorbidities as in anyone else. Yeah. I feel like that's noteworthy just because. It, and it's noteworthy because it, 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 we're, it's deemed safe, but again, depending on your surgeon and where you have the type of facility you have your surgery in also is probably going to dictate how comfortable your surgeon is. If you are someone who would be more, I mean, anyone that undergoes anesthesia, it, there's a risk yeah. with anesthesia regardless. Yeah. Um. So if you're someone because of other conditions like smoking, mm -hmm. um, being you know morbidly obese or considered obese um could put you at further risk for surgery complications so yeah. your surgeon may not especially if you're paying out of pocket your surgeon may not feel comfortable operating on you yeah it's gonna probably be yeah. a doctor by doctor surgeon by surgeon and right. they're gonna i guess ultimately want to check your heart and your lungs right i mean even with my weed smoking when i had my surgery i asked my surgeon I'm very honest with doctors, of course. So I said to him, I was like, I smoke weed. How soon do you want me to stop? And he was like, quotes, 
knock it off a week beforehand. And he said, it's less about the THC and more about, I want the gunk in your, in your lungs to clear out. Cardiovascular effect. Exactly. So I feel like, um, doctors ultimately will just have to make sure that you're healthy enough. Mm -hmm. And we all know, Ashley and I will get into this in another episode. We're going to talk about diet culture and all of that and all of our complicated feelings about it. But ultimately, every doctor has their own biases right. and their own opinion and their own right. whatever, and, and they'll do what they want. Especially when you are talking about something that m- might be an elective surgery. Like right. for me, since at the time, since my insurance company wasn't paying for it or didn't deem it medically necessary, it was an elective surgery. And I, I had to sign a waiver that I had not smoked um, tobacco products or used tobacco products for at least six months. No way. And if I lied on that waiver, if I, you know, lied about that, any complications post-surgery or during surgery that could be related back to smoking and tobacco use, they were not responsible for. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, so, and also like I had my surgery done in a surgery center. So the doctor I went to, Gabane Gottlieb, um, they own their own building in Philadelphia. Half of the building is their offices, and then the other half is the operating area. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think that's how they manage to keep their costs somewhat affordable because it's all they do. Um, that's another thing, you know, well, I'll get to this in a minute, but it's all they do there. So they're good at what they do. Um, they own their own facilities. Everything is still accredited and um, validated by the same JCO that, you know, accredits hospitals mm-hmm. and hospital OR. Mm-hmm. So I felt comfortable having my surgery there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they explained to me what hospital that they were affiliated with should something go wrong and I needed to be transported to a hospital by ambulance what hospital that was going to be got it um so again if that's another thing that's going to come into play if you're someone that is more at risk for surgical complications yeah and for you know complications during the surgery if they're if you're the doctor you're looking into operates outside of a hospital where they would have to transport you to an actual emergency facility, right? they might be less likely to want to operate on you. Like I woke up nauseous and was like, I'm so hungry. And at that point I hadn't eaten since almost 20 hours. Mm. Um, because you have to be, you know, you can't eat anything past midnight. And my operation actually got delayed a little bit because I think the woman that they were operating on before me did have some um, complications with her blood pressure. It seemed oh, like, yeah. Um, so they, my surgery was delayed a little bit anyway. So I woke up so nauseous, so hungry, but they wouldn't let me eat anything because they're like, if you're nauseous, we can't let you eat here. What? And, but being in healthcare. Yeah. I at least knew that it was because I don't think they wanted me to choke and then aspirate on my vomit because then that could have turned into a, you know, we're calling 911 situation. Right. That's wild though, because the, when I woke up from my surgery, they were like feeding me crackers and water. 
Yeah. But I was at the hospital. It was a totally different surgery and all the things. But I, in my head, like when you wake up from surgery, they give you crackers and something to drink and they wouldn't let you. Yeah, they wouldn't let me. Wow. What did you, did you have any like thing that you had to do before you got to leave? Meaning like, like I had to pee before no. I, was there anything like that? No. no. Um, what was recovery like? Recovery. So I woke up. I mean, up, if I met you a week after, yeah, I didn't even so know. So I woke up in the worst pain. I woke up from this surgery hysterically crying <gasps> in the worst pain I had ever been in. Really? Yeah. It was so. What like, type of pain? Like in your chest? Everywhere. Everything hurt. Oh. And like to the point I was like, I can't even talk to people right now. Like I literally, I think I texted my mom something like out of surgery, very tired. Like, don't worry, but I am not. I can't like, talk right now. Right. Oh my God. Um, so got home, ate something and then just like really slept through the rest of the day. Like I, the medications that they gave me to take were Tylenol with codeine and Valium and the obviously the Tylenol with codeine was more for pain relief, but the yeah. Valium was more for to relax your muscles because they like oh yeah yeah like they really remove and have to pull apart like a lot of your musculature mm. up there yeah because they have to get through muscle to get to your, to your breast tissue huh yeah. or whatever breast fat I don't even know what I'm saying yeah. I don't know anything about this so and it yeah pain like oh. you would not believe. Um, and where I kind of was like, was this a regrettable choice? Like, mm. oh my God, like the first 24 hours were brutal. And then the next day I had to go back to the office. What? No. So that they could just make sure in that first 24 hours, there were no obvious signs of an infection or something wasn't going to heal properly. I thought you meant your office. That makes more sense. No, 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 but like also that's crazy. Got it. Okay. Um, For like the 24 hour follow-up. Okay. And I looked like my breasts looked mutilated. I was like, Oh, oh my, my God. God. Are I, you freaking then, out? Yeah. I had like my boyfriend in the room with me and I was like, what have I done? Yeah. I was like, I was horrified that he had seen like, your boobs in that state. Uh, yeah. I oh my like, God. He, it looks like I just like made the decision to butcher myself. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. When did you know that it was going to be okay? Pro like, a <laughs> like a week ago. <laughs> yeah. Like a couple weeks actually. Wow. Um, Ashley. Yeah. And like that first few days I really needed, especially that first day, like I needed help yeah around the house like were there any limitations that they gave you yeah so you cannot lift or um like you can't lift you can't like pull down anything heavy you can't pull okay for a month I yeah think I, like it took at least four to five weeks for me to be cleared to be able to lift pull and carry heavy things okay um, and bend over like we have cats. So I, I'm the one that primarily scoop bends and scoops the litter boxes. Yeah. I couldn't do that for a few weeks. What's with that? Drew doesn't do the box ever. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that is like a pain point in our house. <laughs> right. so, I, mean, I just got the litter robot. Oh yeah, you did. Like, is this really a necessary purchase? And she's like, what do you know? You, you don't, don't the litter yeah, box. you have no idea. You have no idea. Yeah. I mean, he has an idea, but you're regularly yeah, so yeah. this is for me 
Yeah, um, a thousand percent. That's what it was when I got the litter genie. Yeah. I was like, I got this for me and Hank. Yet it's annoying because Hank likes Drew more. And I'm like, <laughs> I do all the things for you. This is like a serious, like fun parent, like no, like no yeah. fun parent situation. Anyways, I got yeah. distracted by that. Um, so, how do you feel now? Now I feel great. Um, I feel great. So that first week is really rough and everyone's situation is going to be different. I've been fortunate enough for that surgery that I have a desk job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, I made certain with my surgeon that it was actually realistic for me to consider going back to work a week after mm-hmm. I work used to work with a patient technician. So like a, a medical assistant in the ER whose job in the ER is to help move patients, lift patients, push stretchers. She couldn't go back to work for like a month until wow. she was cleared to, you know, lift and push heavy things again. Wow. Um, so I was lucky from that standpoint that I didn't need to take an excessive amount of time off of work. That's good. Um, and my surgeon told me he actually wanted me to be active, like mm. as soon as possible. He was like the, the next day, he's like the day of, you're not going to be able to do anything, but a day after two days after, start moving so i would like i would take like a 20 minute walk around the block or sit on the bike for 20 minutes but then that 20 minutes to an hour of being off the couch wiped me out for that first week um pain wise the next day so i had you have to take antibiotics um i was on keflex i think four times a day so I had an alarm for 6 a.m. to take the first dose of the day. Um, so the first morning after, when that alarm went off, I was still, you know, out of it because from being so tired. Mm-hmm. And I sat up in bed and like reached for or on the couch because I was not. I you have to sleep upright yeah. and you can't roll over. Oh my so God. The best way for me to do that was just to sleep on the couch where I had, cause I will toss and turn all night in yeah, a bed. I'm the same. So I had to be in like a confined areas to where I didn't have the room to move. Yeah. So I sat up and just reached over for the phone and was like, wait, that didn't hurt to do that. Like, hallelujah. Yeah. And I was like, I hope I didn't just move too quickly. Yeah. Um, so really I was only on the pain meds around the clock for the first 24 hours. And then for the next few days would take maybe once or twice a day. But the volume is really um, what I felt I needed more, um, especially during that first week. And then when I went back to work, I could stand and sit all day at work. But once I got home, I was wiped and my body ached. Mm. especially the top like upper my upper body yeah so the volume I, I would just take it at night to get comfortable enough to get a good night's sleep yeah to like relax your muscles and shit mm-hmm. oh my god wow yeah. what was your like <clears throat> favorite moment once you were recovered like did you go shopping or like yes. what did you do tell me I, yeah I, that was going to be my answer so yeah. when you have like huge boobs like I had you can't go to any store and like buy a bra yeah like you need to buy like a well-made well-constructed bra probably really expensive they're like 70 80 dollars and i was like prepping myself i'm like once you get this surgery you're gonna need to like buy all new bras and that's gonna be like a 500 dollar thing yeah 
to buy all new bras and sports bras. Yeah. And then. Then you went to Target. So I went into, so for the first few months, like you have to just wear sports bras. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're immediately after surgery, you have to wear like a compressive bra just Mm -hmm. to like keep everything in. So weird. Yeah. Um, For. I want to say like a couple months and then you can get like small because too, like you're swollen. Yeah. So I told my surgeon I wanted to be a full C small D. I would be happy landing anywhere between there. Yeah. Which I think he was surprised by. He's like, oh, so you still want what would be considered larger breasts. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I've had them my whole life. It would be more weird for me to be less than a C cup. Yeah. So... Um, I, yeah, I still wanted to be in that size range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I am, but he said, you know, right now you're probably going to be a D if not maybe a double D. And then over the next few months, once your swelling goes down, you'll land at a full C small D. And I did, I landed it exactly a D cup. Okay. So, and then two underwire. Even if you're cleared to get out of the compression bras, Uh the underwire isn't going to be comfortable for you to wear. Oh, yeah. Because of where the scars are Mm -hmm. from the surgery. So, you know, a handful of months down the line, once I could consider, you know, wearing a regular bra again, I happened to be in Target and I'm like, (sighs) wait, they sell bras here. (laughs) Like, I can actually just go over there and buy a bra. And I did. I was yeah. like, this is bizarre. Like, I haven't been able to do this since high oh school. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. And as a person that I don't have big boobs and I've never had big boobs, I it's like, yeah, yeah. they sell bras they, here. Yeah, I like haven't even worn an underwire bra. shopping was great. And I then bet. the funny thing is, I just thought all of my bathing suits were going to fit again because they fit me. It's just that my boobs were huge and barely fit in there. So yeah. I was like, well, now they're going to fit perfectly. Because I got the breast lift, I tried on like a one piece that I had. Oh my god! And I'm like, wait, like <laughs> my nipples are now up here. Oh my god! So like where the neckline is on this bathing suit, like there's not enough room to where I'm like not gonna have a nip slip in this. Oh, it was. I was like, well, shit. Like, wait, a lift <laughs> is something that I feel like I might want in my forties. Yeah. Um. Oh my god, wait, that's so it funny. funny. I, was like, I was like, I don't understand, like, why is it this my... fitting? Like, it should just, it fit before, I just, like, yeah. I'm smaller up here, and then it clicked, I was like, oh. My nipples are higher. Now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's yeah. really funny. But yeah, I mean, once things started healing, yeah, I felt like... Yeah. It was fine. Yeah. It was fine. And they did a great job. You have no regrets. Dr. Gopley did a great job. Like symmetrical. Like, yeah. Perfect. Oh my God. That's yeah. amazing. And my scars aren't even really that bad. I feel like you still, I still have them. So that is something to note. If you're someone that is self-conscious about scarring, mm-hmm. there is a lot of scarring. I okay. am not someone who's self-conscious about it. So I still have like fairly large scars under my armpit where like if I'm in like a certain cut of bathing suit or tank top, like you could probably see those scars. Yep. Um, 
I started lotioning. Like mm -hmm. I'm really bad at lotioning every day. Yeah. I made sure to lotion um like the area that was gonna be operated on. So like under my arms, the sides of my boobs, my actual boobs under my boobs. Because I wanted my skin to be in good condition mm -hmm. pre-surgery. Yeah. And then post-surgery was like really good again about lotioning um just so that my skin was soft and healed well. And I think it worked. And then also I lift, not lifted weights, but I have a rower. So I like, right. if I was going to work out before in the weeks leading up to surgery, I did more rowing so that like my upper body would be smart in somewhat better shape than it could have been yeah. to also help the healing process. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Is the underarm scar the only scars you have? That are like noticeable. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Or that would be noticeable in like a bathing suit or a bikini top or like a halter top or tank top. Yeah, that I can wear now. Like I bought a tube top this summer. Oh my god, like a little bandeau tube top. Yeah, and I like don't need to wear a bra with it. And oh. I was like, I hope people fucking love this tube top because they're going to be seeing a lot of it this summer. <laughs> I appreciate an overworn thing as I sit here in the yeah. beanie that I've been living in for the last I several months. Been able to wear one like my whole life that's yeah. amazing yeah wow oh my god well cheers to that um should we talk about my surgery yeah i have been asked several of the like same questions so i feel like we'll just go into those yeah um you, no one asked me like why did you get this surgery done because like yeah any everyone fucking knew like yeah why. like it was obvious even my own mother who is like the queen of the worry warts was like just make sure you're going to a reputable surgeon yeah and i do want to know that a lot of people think they can cheap out on plastic surgery yeah no don't, don't take that risk don't like it's not worth it like having a bigger butt or no. whatever is not worth the risks of that surgery not going well like you yeah. could go to the best doctor and there's still a risk that something could go wrong yeah don't go to someone that you're having your right. body cut open. Right. Never skimp on that. Right. Even like a an, an infection. You can get an infection and yeah, no, be done. No. Yeah. I wouldn't get pierced by someone not reputable, right. let alone let someone cut me right. open. Fuck that. Or inject a filler or. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, no. Oh my God. Speaking of that, for the first time in my entire life, I've been thinking I want Botox. I found a new wrinkle. This is yeah. completely off topic. But I posted a photo, like I've, I've had crow's feet for a long time. Don't mind those. But I have a new between the eyebrow wrinkle yeah. I've never had before. And for the first time ever, I found myself being like, oh, no, is this this is what happens. Yeah. But they say Botox is preventative. I'm already 37. I feel like it's too late. Anti-wrinkle cream is preventative. Okay. Someone tried to tell me that Botox, I should start getting. They're like, I went and got a facial recently. Yeah. And they were like, oh, you have great skin for your age. You should start getting Botox. You'll look even better. And I'm like, uh, no, I will I'll look like... The earlier you start getting Botox and fillers, yeah. Botox and fillers are associated with a very specific look. They give you a very <laughs> specific look. Yeah. And that look is associated with women of a certain age. If you are 23 yes. getting heavy Botox and fillers, you are going to look older like a mid 30s woman who has already started getting Botox. A hundred percent. That's a you. It, yes. Yeah. Yes. So I like I am adamant about 
skincare. I use all the products, serums, creams, throw them at me. Yeah. Botox is very much in my future once <laughs> these, you know, yeah. once the wrinkle cream doesn't cut it. But my friend also, Olga's mom is an esthetician. Oh. So my good friend. So her mom, when we were in college, was like, you need to start using anti-wrinkle cream. Anti-wrinkle cream is not to remove wrinkles once you have them it is to prevent yeah. them from starting so i've been using anti-wrinkle cream since i was like 20 years old <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i as a cosmetologist went like i learned about hair like skin and nails as yeah. well um but i haven't even like like so I, my skin knowledge is like surface level really and i feel like my skin has always been really good i've used good stuff for so long but like wrinkles have always just been like, whatever, whatever. It's cool. I'm going to be like, like Lily Tomlin when I'm old is like sort of my goal in I life is to her. just be like long gray braids and like, Did you watch Grace and Frankie? yes. Oh. And I didn't get, I didn't, I'm very behind I and I need to Grace get and Frankie. You're such a Frankie and I'm, I'm really a Grace. <laughs> yeah, we really <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> yes, and I'm really, really, I'm totally Frankie. Um, yeah. So, okay. People didn't ask you about while you were getting a breast reduction. A lot of people, same with me and a lot of, no one really asked me like, why are you doing that? And I think it's just cause like, if you know me at all, you know, I don't want to have children. Um, so even my mom didn't really, the first time I told my mom, she cried. <laughs> um, and she swears that she was crying because not because she like, not because I'm making this decision, but that I'm old enough to make this decision. <laughs> I'm like, moms, I can't. It's, it's another, like, the baby thing. Like, because I'm the youngest, everything's always like, oh, my God, the youngest is old enough to do blank. Oh, my God, the youngest is, you know, whatever. It's more about her feeling her age. Exactly. you being of a certain age. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. One time I posted a photo and she could see one of my grays in it. And she was like, that better be a highlight. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's really about more her age. And then we had a really awesome conversation about how like, you know, there's a lot to why I chose not to have children. Mm -hmm. And this was not like a short process. And one of the factors that I don't necessarily talk about as often is that like, I'm trying to become a therapist. Like I want to be able to help more people in the world in the future than just like my children. And this, I don't know. So also I have a ton of nibblings, nieces, nephews, nibblings, fun. I don't know if I've already said this on a podcast episode, but nibbling is the gender neutral for niece or nephew of which I have two nibblings. And then I don't even know how many nieces and nephews, um, two nephews. Anyways, the point is there's another layer to it that I've recently explained to my family that's like those kids will always have another adult, mm -hmm. me, that they're the most important kid to. Yeah. Which there's something really different about that. I said that to my niece Olivia when I saw her recently. I was like, you're always going to be the one I'm mm -hmm. fighting for. You're always going to be the one that I'm like, you know, whatever. You're the most important kid to me and not other like my sister can't say that about the rest of our nibblings because she has kids. Right. I uh, since you you said that to me before. Yeah. And since then I've noticed that with like my friends' kids and my friends' kids are all very young. Yeah. But 
um, particularly Olga's daughter, is my goddaughter. Yeah. So, like, I've thought about that more. I'm like, wow. Like, I'm, or not wow, but I'm like, right. Like, yeah. I am like another adult that she can go to as a parent figure. Yes. That, like, no, you, like, you're the, not the sole kid I'm focused, but I don't have like my own kids that, like, yes. Yeah. It changes things. And I, um, now that they're, I have the oldest one is 21 and then there's teenagers in there. So the responsibility of being an aunt has finally like shown itself. Mm -hmm. Like the number of times that the 21 year old has texted me and said, I need an adult that's not my parent. Oh God. Like I didn't <laughs> even realize this shit was going to get real. Like I always thought being an aunt was just like, but now there, now that I see real responsibilities, I'm like, I've been able to see this other benefit that didn't, was not part of the beginning of why I didn't want, you know, we just don't want kids. And there's a lot tied up in that. And I'm, I've always cared more about like, whatever my passions are, like my career, this, that, like, I'm going to pay for myself to get two masters instead of kids getting through college. Like, that's just the truth of it. Um, so that's been a thing. Um, the number one question that I got asked more than anything was if I was going to still have a period, which I think is just hilarious <laughs> because none of us understand our bodies. <laughs> I actually, when you said you're one you of the people, I was one of those people. I was yeah. telling Dan, and this was like, you know, when you decided to get it done months yeah. ago, um, coincidentally or not so coincidentally <laughs> after Roe v. Wade got overturned. So, okay. That brings me to another point. Um, another question that I got asked a lot was not a lot. I got asked a couple of times why I chose to do it and not him get a vasectomy. So I'll answer both of yeah. these questions really quick. Um, we have known that one of us was going to have this surgery for years and years and years. And we always assumed it would be him because we always assumed that that was the easier route surgery to recover from this and that as soon as I learned what the recovery actually is for a vasectomy mm -hmm. um he would have had to take a week off it's of work not a quick it's not no. the surgery itself is quick it's sold to you as it, you're in and out and you yeah. go back but you do not go back to your day-to-day -day no he would have had to take a week off because yeah. you can't like lift heavy stuff you have to you can't do physical labor and he I don't know if this is a known thing but chefs are very physical yeah, <laughs> their job is very physical feet. yeah and that he like lifts stuff and throws things and like he throws, well, I don't know if he throws pizzas where he works now, but <laughs> he was throwing pizzas a lot. And so, um, yeah. And then when Roe v. Wade got overturned, I was literally like, no, I want to do it. Mm -hmm. And a huge part of that, then I realized I'm like, I'm the one that can get pregnant. I don't want to rely on something yeah. that you're doing to your body to keep me from getting pregnant. That's and, weird. And he's not the only man in the world that can get you pregnant. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I mean, here's the thing, not to be morbid, but like, what if Drew dies in five years? Like, yeah. God forbid. And I certainly don't want that to happen. But like, we're still young. Yeah. And I raped. could get yeah. raped. That's a very valid point There's that I never even considered. <laughs> yeah. And I totally understand that because for me, when I was younger, I like you always think like, oh, you're, you know, you just get married and you have kids. I never wanted to ever be pregnant from a small child. Yeah. I think I saw like a Mary Kay and Ashley movie, like It Takes Two or something. Yeah. And, like, the one's mom dies during childbirth. And oh, like, God. But I, I, yeah. Since I 
ha can remember having a memory. I have never wanted to be pregnant because as a kid, I had what I thought was an irrational fear of it. Yeah. Now that I'm an adult <laughs> who works in healthcare, right. I'm like, no, it, that really was not an irrational fear. Like you can have so many complications yeah. from pregnancy. It affects your long-term health, Yep. like let alone what the immediate physiologic effects it does to your body yeah you have long-term like it was it's never been for me yeah and I always used to joke people be like well if you don't want to have like get pregnant how are you gonna have kids and I'd be like I think by the time I like we have are at the kids age like you'll be able to grow them in a test tube yeah and I actually saw an article the other day where like they're gonna start trialing that and yeah they actually where Dan works they actually I think there's somewhere, there is a facility in Philadelphia that I know is like testing, growing at like land, some sort of animal in like yeah. an artificial Whoa. womb. Whoa. And that's always, I like, yeah. I would be 15 years old telling people like, no, I'm just going to grow my kids in like an incubator <laughs> by that age. Yeah. Like, it's going to be a thing. Yeah. I was totally okay with that. Yeah. But then, you know, as I've gotten older, I'm like. Wow, like maybe it's so I literally don't have a biological clock. Yeah. Because no. I've never ever had an urge to no. want to be pregnant. Yeah. No. And so me now neither. that I didn't have that, you know, clock ticking in the back of my head. Yeah. Now that I'm older, I'm like, no, you know what? I don't think all of the other aspects of children are for me. Yeah. So when people when you told me people are like confused as to like why I wanted to have my tubes tied, I yeah. immediately got it because I'm like, this is about you yes. being able to get pregnant. As yes. someone who's never wanted to be pregnant from yeah. like a small age, like I 100% immediately understood it. Yeah, a thousand percent. And I think that's ugh, having a friend that like 1 million percent gets it. It was like something that I'm just like so freaking grateful for because a lot of people that do even get it or like appreciate it or whatever, there's still a lot of like, it's not normal really like yeah. to just go anyways the I want to go back to the I never answered the period oh, question yeah. <laughs> so um be so yes I still have my period and I'm just going to give us a really quick anatomy lesson so I still have my ovaries I still have my eggs and I still have my uterus I just don't have my fallopian tubes um so what happens so if I actually wanted to get pregnant I still could via IVF mm. um going back to the like getting pregnant in tubes and yeah. like you know science whatever um because I still have all my eggs I still have my uterus your uterus is where your uh period is coming from yeah so really what happened is just the bridges were taken down right and my biggest regret is not asking to keep them. I really, it's like a weird science thing. I just want them in a jar on my shelf. I'm fucking weird. Oh, like keep them in a jar. Oh, yeah. yeah, I wanted to keep them in a jar. Um, And okay, so that's the, that's the quick anatomy lesson. Still have the ovaries, still have. So the whole thing is, is that like, that also means that it didn't mess with my hormones. So I don't need any mm -hmm. hormone therapy. Once they take your like ovaries and stuff like that, then you're getting into like hormone changes. And that can complicate things. So I also realized I need to tell folks, because this was another question I got asked, because you always hear tubes tied, tubes tied. Now all of a sudden you're talking about getting your tubes removed. Did they really remove them? Like people ask me, like, yeah. did they really remove them? So yes, 
they have always like tied or what's really happening is they're like cutting and cauterizing and stuff like that. My sister in 2014 had a procedure where she like had them like stuffed or something and then cauterized. I don't really know. But what my doctor explained to me is that over the years, they have they have learned that the way a cauterized fallopian tube interacts with your ovary increases your risk of ovarian cancer. Mm. So now they just take them out. So that so no tubes could still totally have a period. Hormones are normal. If I wanted to get pregnant, I could with IVF. Which is great. That, that sounds like the best of all the world. I mean, really. Yeah. The only thing my, my, so another question that came up was how hard was it to get the approval? Mm. And um, I've heard horror stories and I'll tell you, I chose, so right after Roe v. Wade got overturned, um, there was an Instagram post circulating of a list of doctors that will give you you know, tube removal, tube cutting, you know, tube tying, whatever surgery, um, no questions asked. There's not, it's just, they'll do it. Yeah. And so I, a friend of mine sent it to me and I reached at one of those doctors is at Penn. Mm -hmm. And so I reached out to them. They were of course booked for however long out. And so I was like, I'll just go one of, to one of their colleagues because as annoying and as stupid as it is on paper, I meet all the requirements that they would want. So I knew yeah. I probably wasn't going to have too much trouble. I'm in my later thirties. I'm marrying rah, 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 all the stupid shit, but I was still very concerned that they were going to make Drew sign something. Hmm. I like, I went into that appointment. I was like, I mean, I have anxiety in general, but like, I was like physically trembling in the waiting room of the <laughs> office. I was so anxious. I hate going to the gynecologist anyways. Right. And this was like my joy. Yeah. And this was like my annual appointment with a new doctor because I had just, you yeah. know, it was the first time I I hadn't found a doctor in Philly. I mean, I had always been a planned parenthood person anyways, just because like I like to support them. They I didn't have insurance until Drew and I were here. Um so I go to this person at Penn. She was amazing. I say to her in the consultation, like, or in our conversation, she asks me about birth control and if I'm on any. And I was like, oh, well, actually, that's why I'm here because I'm interested in getting my tubes tied. And she was like, oh, a permanent option. We can do that. Yeah. It was that fucking normal and simple, which I need to like acknowledge right out of the gate that I know I have heard literal horror stories. I One have of my read articles about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was again, I was fully prepared for them to they did not even say a word yeah. about my partner. Nothing. Um, It's like on the intake form that I put that I was married. They did not ask me one word about him. Thank God. Cause I was fully prepared to, yeah. you know me, I was fully prepared to go off on them. Like I had my guard up. I think that's why I was so fucking anxious. Cause I was like, who am I going to have to fight today? Like I'm ready to go. And then I didn't have to, I was like, what the fuck? And so she doesn't actually do surgery. So she had to refer me to one of her colleagues who became my surgeon and who now I've interacted with more than I've actually interacted with her. Yeah. And I normally wouldn't want a man gynecologist, but now I quite love Dr. Gearhart. Yeah. Everyone at Penn was unreal. They were so freaking amazing. I will sing their praises forever. And I think in a year when I'm due to go back um, for my yearly. yearly, I think I'll go to him yeah. rather than my first person. They were both amazing. But um, yeah, crazy. I'm going to look at my list yeah. really quick to see what if I'm forgetting any questions that I got asked. So I 
actually see a new gynecologist every year. Oh, so do I, you? Well, I started going to Jefferson and Jefferson's kind of like, I've been going there for at least three years now. Yeah. Their office is a teaching office. So oh. like, I just get seen by a new like student, you know, that's a good way to student. Yeah. And then, I mean, of course, like a doctor or a gynecologist in the office is signing off on everything that they do. Yeah. And then we'll, depending on what, you know, the convert where the conversation goes, we'll come in and talk to you. Yeah. But yeah I just go in there and not knowing who I'm going to see. I guess that's how I was doing at Planned Parenthood. Now that I'm thinking about yeah. it, I always just went to whoever. Yeah. Um, I always just put that I prefer a female, but I've had both. And yeah. so I don't really know why I'm so weird about it. I know people that going to the gynecologist is like actually traumatic and triggering and mm. all the things just, I know I have friends that have been like sexually assaulted and oh stuff like this. So like going to the gynecologist can like be a fucking thing for people. I'm fortunate that it's just like normal anxiety for me. Yeah. Um, well, too, I think it's like you start seeing a gynecologist at a young age. Yeah. If you're a teenager. You don't necessarily want some unknown man mm -hmm. down there. Yeah. So, of course, like you or your mom or whoever, or whatever adult is taking you to the office is probably going to put female. And then you just grow up thinking. I actually thought that too recently. Yeah. I was like, I kind of just want to like get into this appointment and get it done with. Like, I don't really care yeah. if it's a man or not. And yeah. I have seen, you know, men at Jefferson. Yeah. 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 Um, so I wanted to tell everybody what the like technical name of my surgery was. Salpingectomy. That's what it's called. Like, where does that name come from? Who knows? That has nothing to do with like tube. No, fallopian. fallopian. It should be called like a like fallopian. A yeah, yeah, right? yeah, probably so. Right. I, um, oh, it's Latin. cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about medicine, but you, you, you're probably right. I am um, more so thinking of like my big fat Greek wedding. Where all <laughs> words stem from the Greek language. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that movie in ages. I need to. I so it was laparoscopic. They went there's three holes. They went one through my belly button and then two like not even like not even on my bikini line. It's like I don't even know how to tell you. It's like I don't know, but it's just like three little incisions. Mm -hmm. Where they just put like a camera, I guess, through my belly button and then pulled the tubes out either side. So weird. My recovery was like. Very quick, I felt. I mean, it went. F I. You were jogging. You I was jogging. I was jogging. I thought you were nuts. I thought you were nuts. I know. Most people do. <laughs> most people do. I. So I was thrilled to go tell my doctor. So I told him I'm on a run streak. When I run later today, it'll be day 356, I believe. And I at my pre-op appointment, I was like. I'm on day whatever it was, 303 or something um, of a run streak, and I'm probably not going to stop. I was like, so can you just tell me I'm not going to hurt anything? And he's like, you're not going to hurt anything, but I don't think you're going to be running. And I was like, I'll just trot. It'll be fine. He's like, I don't think you're going to be. He's like, you're going to be running like a 90 year old woman. And I just don't even think that that's going to be like he was he had no confidence in yeah. me. Um, but I got to tell you, even when I woke up from surgery, I was very high, very high, but mm -hmm. also I was not in pain. There was never, I took, they gave me straight up oxycodone, yeah. oxycodone, oxycodone, whatever. They gave me that and they gave me, they told me to take like over the counter, like ibuprofen and Tylenol and that like around the clock. I did that around the clock for the, oh my God, she, she's always interrupting. <laughs> Um, I did that around the clock for the first, um, 
day because I was afraid of the pain that was going to come, but it was never really there. So I went for that first jog. I jogged one mile. I jogged an 11.45 minute pace and I went to the cemetery where I could do loops and Drew could stand there and watch to make sure I didn't like collapse or something. I literally, I literally had a spotter (laughs) and every, it was, he was cheering for me. Like I was running a race every time I would make a lap around the, um, around the cemetery. He's like, you're amazing. I can't believe you're doing this. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I don't run. Yeah. I'm not a runner. I would rather walk four miles than jog one. Yeah. That's fair. But that was me. I mean, I guess that was me like walking around the block. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to lift anything. And I listened to him with that. I wasn't allowed to lift anything and I wasn't allowed to stretch. That was the hardest part of the whole thing. Not being able to do yoga was the hardest part because I did. I kept, I kept up my jogging. I had my surgery on a Tuesday that Saturday without thinking I had signed up for uh, the Philly marathon was that weekend. And the 8k was that Saturday, which is like 4.97 4.97 miles. I so it's like that. you ran the Philadelphia half marathon. No, uh, not the half, the 8K. So 8K. it's like four, it's barely not five miles. Um, Still. but it was like a race. I wore I had a sign on my shirt that said that I had just had surgery for the purposes that A, people would cheer for me, and B, if I like collapsed, people around me would know. <laughs> no, there's a bigger situation going on here. This, call 911. The first person I, I is, did not trip. <laughs> The first person to say anything was this kid that was probably like nine. He runs by me and he's like, you're doing great. (laughs) (laughs) I heard these, these chicks behind me be like, I want to tell his mom. (laughs) It was really cute. Um, Yeah. So I think that I had like a best case scenario healing situation. I really did follow all the rules aside from like running, but they didn't tell me I couldn't run. So, and that's important. Yeah. Like that we both had great experiences, but we both followed the rules to the T, listened to our doctors. We're honest with our doctors. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's true. We were. So I feel like, yeah, honest with the doctors is a big one. Like, First thing I ever do is I'm like, I smoke weed. Yeah. Talk to me. What do we do? And stuff like that. So, yeah, I feel like overall it's been awesome. I mean, TMI, but this is the pod. Now we just get to like willy nilly have sex. It's fucking great. When I was leaving my post op appointment, what was it, a week or two ago? Maybe a week ago, he was like, okay, you don't need birth control of any kind. And I was like, that's great to hear. Yeah. I'll see you later. I'm going to go have sex <laughs> <laughs> and not, and not have to worry about it. I mean, it's really nice to not have to worry about it. Yeah. And it's really nice to not be on birth control. Yeah. Birth control makes me bananas. So it's just something that we don't, I don't, me too. Like, yeah. it doesn't make me bananas, but switching back and forth. Like when I was on the pill, switching back and forth between different generics, I totally changed my mood. I recently got the Mirena in mm. after having the next plan in and like same thing with vasectomy. The Mirena is sold to you as like a very in and out thing. Yeah, it is not. No. And I actually, I sent you that Instagram video the other day of, I'm assuming this man's a doctor. He's wearing scrubs um, <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> Definitely videos. a doctor. But he was saying like the whole point of this video is if you are going to get an IUD by all means, like, ask for you should at the very least be offered a mild anesthetic yeah. local anesthetic which i was and it was still uncomfortable wow. it's like a 20 minute 20 30 minute procedure 
you bleed heavily afterwards <sighs> and it's not comfortable. I was nauseous. I had to come home. I still had the medications from my breast reduction. And I had, so I took a Tylenol 3, Motrin, and a Valium and still took close to an hour to get comfortable enough to fall asleep on the couch and just like take a nap. That is literally worse thing. than my surgery. Yeah, it was terrible. Just side, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, damn. Oh, that's the thing. We weren't allowed to have sex that whole time either. Mm. So that's why I was so excited to be able to go have sex, of course. Um, and then add the however many years prior of having to be like super careful. And that just made it that much more exciting. Anyways. All right. So if you, if there's anything we didn't cover, reach out. Yeah. DM, DM us. DM us. Ashley dot and dot Shirley on Instagram. Yeah. Or ATRT chat at gmail.com. Yeah. Cause we can always do a follow up if there's more questions. This yeah. was a long one, but there's a lot to talk about it. So if there's anything we missed, just let us know. If you have any podcast request topics, by the way, yeah. if there's anything you want us to talk about, holler. Yeah. You can reach us the same way. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.